audience, your swing is done. It's done. It's finished. Close the book on your swing. Don't live in some hypothetical, if I can only, if I could only, if I could only. And welcome back to another part train. Evan and Matt are Yo. here. Uh, thanks again for joining. Guys, the part train, in case you're new, we aim to make your life less frustrating than your golf game. We feature interviews from PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors. We have an author in today's show, CEOs and more. You'll learn to smile through every up and down, harness the power of the mind, and learn the tools to become happier on and off the course. Um, today's guest is Stephen Yellen. We'll get to his background in a second, but first we need a quick word from our friends over at Roback. Our promo codes have been so popular and people are so happy with the performance gear that uh, coupon sites are picking up our codes and it's going rampant. So right now, until we figure out what a solution, the, we don't have a promo code. We just have a link that's in the show notes. Click on that and it'll take you to a uh, train listeners only link. Um, where you'll get 20% off the coupon code and 20% off will be in your cart. So make sure you go through the flow. You'll see the 20% off in the cart. Get the stuff before they sell out. I'm telling you, once they restock, they sell out. So you guys got to get to it fast. You won't be mad about it. Okay. Steven Yellen, quickly, Matt, let me give the listeners a little bit yep. of his background. And then I want you to tell the listeners what your biggest takeaway was, and then we'll get them right to the interview. Um, so Steven grew up in Florida, where he was the Florida High School State singles tennis champion and a member of the championship team. He went to have an outstanding career playing number one singles at the University of Pennsylvania and is a member of the All-Ivy team in 72. As a member at Penn in a challenge match, he had an experience that changed his life. It was a deep experience of the zone, right? Over 45 years, he developed the Fluid Motion Factor program, which has been taught in 12 sports, including seven pro sports. He's had PGA, LPGA tour pros, won over $80 million in prize money, six major championships. Basically what it is, is his program is a way to access the zone, yep. right? It's a way to get in the zone anytime you want. Right. And um, Matt, what was your biggest takeaway? And then we'll get him to the interview. Yeah, I think, I think for all you guys listening in today, um, my, our biggest takeaway was in this, in this modern game of instruction and technology, um, and always finding ways to get better, pump the brakes. Don't overcomplicate your swing, your stroke, your journey to get better. It's, it, it, I think he said, you are good enough, your swing's good enough, tweak your mental approach. I really think there's a lot of good nuggets here. Just getting to the core of, you know, playing like a kid again, you know? Yeah, 100%. And guys, like always, you got to stay through the end because the beginning – don't get, I mean, we talk a little bit about the brain, you know, it starts a little bit more technical. It ends really yeah. simple. So like, make sure you stay to the end. Um, I'm telling you, he says something at the end that will probably change the way you think about <laughs> your swing. Um, and remember, follow us at the par train on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We've got giveaways there. We've always got fun content to engage with you guys. And then yeah, subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps. Thanks again for listening. Hope you guys are staying well. And uh, let's learn how to get in the zone. Thanks, guys. Steven, welcome to the show. We're excited to talk about how to get in the zone. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on. And um, thanks for inviting me. You say pretty firmly you're not a sports psychologist. No, no background. No, no background in sports psychology. So Zero. what would you call yourself? And with that, what makes you different? I would call myself a fluid motion coach. I teach uh, golfers and athletes actually in, in many sports how to produce fluid motion during their motion. It's basic human psychology that everyone, when they're hearing something, thinks about how does it relate to me, right? And so I'm going to do that myself, and I'm sure other people will connect with this too. So a trend I've noticed when I play you know, I'm a single-digit handicap. Matt played in college, so he's a scratch player. Um, that when I go and play a new round with a new feel, and you talk about this a lot in your book, um, I'm so focused on that one feel, I actually score incredibly well. 
right? And the next round, you figure it out and you feel like it's gone, right? I think you call this the 65-75 syndrome. Um, We want people to get your book, right? So we won't give them everything. But talk a little bit about that and why it's so easy to feel when it's something's new like that, why it's so easy to perform and then then it's harder. So I'm going to build a building and I'm going to build it from the foundation up before we get to the first or second um, floor, because um, it's uh, one needs a comprehensive understanding of how fluid motion is produced before I would feel comfortable in answering that question. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. So in in order to produce uh, a motion, any motion, whether it's walking across the street or swinging a golf club, you have to produce or have an intention, a signal in the brain. Now, there are two parts of the brain that are really interesting in producing motion. One is the prefrontal cortex, which is the front of the frontal part of the brain, which uh, is essentially your discriminating intellect. It's also called called the CEO of the brain because it oversees all processes. Uh, in the brain. The other is the motor system. Now, when someone produces a fluid motion in any sport, even walking across the street, the signal, that signal bypasses the prefrontal cortex, goes right to the motor system, and it's the motor system which communicates with the body to produce motion. Now, the problem occurs, and it's a mighty big problem, especially if you're a professional golfer or you're a competitive golfer, is when the prefrontal cortex goes online intercepts that signal going to the motor system. Then in the middle of the motion, the body is looking for direction. There's too many processes going on. And that's when the bulkier core muscles dominate the motion. Now, the motor system, I'm not going to get too complicated here. So don't worry, folks. It's not a neurophysiology class, but it's, it's important to understand this. The most important element uh, or part of the um, motor system is the cerebellum. The cerebellum is responsible for tracking where emotion is and then being able to um, self-correct emotion in case there's any issues with it. It's also responsible for smoothing out emotion. Now, now we're gonna get into your question since, since I gave you a little foundation. So you have to ask yourself a question. First of all, the swing doesn't control the swing, processes in the mind control the swing. And essentially it's the cerebellum. So you have to ask yourself, what environment does the cerebellum have to exist in, have to exist in, because this is science, it's not Stephen Yellen's opinion, in order to produce a fluid motion? And there's one word that describes that environment, and that word is wholeness. Wholeness. The brain physiology has to experience a threshold level of wholeness before you pull the trigger. So how can you define wholeness? Well, wholeness is not the absence of parts. It's the togetherness of all the parts. For instance, you're behind the ball and you're figuring out what kind of shot you want to hit. You take into consideration all the elements of the shot, the lie, the wind, where you are on the round, what kind of club you want to hit, how you want to hit it, how aggressive, how conservative. And you put all of these elements in what I would call a golf blender, like you're making a smoothie, right? Now, if right before you pull the trigger, you have not made a smoothie, meaning that you hit the blend button and there's not one part dominating over another part, they're all a smoothie, then you've reached a threshold level of wholeness before you pull the trigger. So chances are you could experience a threshold level of wholeness during the swing, which is going to allow the cerebellum to sink the shot. But if right before you pull the trigger, this is the main reason why golfers don't get better, is if one element of that one part of that smoothie is pulsating over another, don't hit it left, don't hit it right, don't get the club in this position, make sure you flight it this way, uh, whatever, could be any part of the parts of that shot. If that is pulsating over another part and you have not reached a threshold level of wholeness before you pull the trigger, chances are you're not going to experience a threshold level of wholeness during the swing. And that's when you go into crisis management because that's when the bulkier core muscles dominate the motion. Okay, now I'm ready to answer this question, okay? (laughs) I set the scenario, right? Yep. So someone plays uh, an outstanding, has an outstanding ball striking round, and there's a certain feeling associated with that. 
there's certain space there, you know, it's just, you know, you guys are good golfers. Your listeners are good golfers is that there's a feeling associated with the playing that you had so well that day. So what you do after all, if I had this feeling and I played well, if I have this feeling again today, I am going to play well. So what happens, there's two things that happen, okay? One is you're over the ball and you are searching for that feeling. I want that feeling. This is, this is, and this is happening in, you know, in microseconds, right before you pull the trigger. What's that feeling? You know, let me get that feeling. Well, a feeling can break wholeness as much as a swing thought can break wholeness. So you're holding on to that feeling. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Then that, the search for that feeling, guess what it's doing? It's breaking wholeness. So then you pull the trigger. You have not hit a, reached a threshold level of wholeness before you pull the trigger. Why do you think you would experience a threshold level of wholeness during the, during the swing? You're just hoping and praying that something good comes out. So then what happens a lot of the times is you get a little frustrated, but you're putting all your baskets in getting that feeling. I need to have that feeling at all costs because yesterday I had that feeling for the whole round and I was just striping it like nobody's business. So you don't get the feeling on that shot. The shot is not uh, executed correctly. So what do you do on the next shot? You try harder. I really want to get that feeling. So what you're doing is you're systematically shutting yourself down. Systematically. Now, I'll explain why you're shutting yourself down from the mind-body connection, right? Is we know everybody has a mind, everyone has a body. And you can say that the mind is like an ocean. There are surface levels of the ocean, very choppy, very, you know, not very smooth. And the mind is the same way. You can have an active, analyzing, discriminating level of the mind, but the mind has different levels mind has different levels. Then there are softer, quieter levels of the mind. And everyone has this experience, you know, a hundred times during the day, you're thinking, you're analyzing, you tell yourself, that's enough, I can't think anymore, and immediately the mind settles down. You do this at night, because if the mind is thinking and analyzing at night, forget about going to sleep. So the body has the same scheme. You got the core, gross, bulkier muscles, which are important for emotion. But if they dominate the motion, no bueno, you ain't going nowhere, right? And the right. body has deeper levels of its own intelligence. It has the ability to fire the fast twitch muscles, which are crucial in generating club head speed and timing. And it has the ability to self-correct emotion. Now, here's the secret sauce that everybody needs to know, that all PGA professionals, when they're learning how to instruct and going through the certification, need to know which all tour players need to know. And it's not my secret sauce, it's how nature operates. When you generate an intention from a surface level of the mind, you only have access to the surface level intelligence of the body. But when you generate an intention, this is during the 1.5 seconds it takes to, to swing a golf club, from a deeper level of the mind, a softer, quieter, and more powerful level of the mind, you have no choice but to access the deeper levels of intelligence of the body. So when that player that we're talking about who had a certain feeling that came very naturally and very spontaneously and very innocently that first day of ball striking, but because the mind is looking for a pattern, we're always looking for a pattern. How does this work? How does this work? He associates good play with that feeling. And then on the second day, what happens is because he's so intent and determined and focused on finding that feeling, he is generating his intentions from the surface level of the mind. He only has access to the surface level intelligence of the body. And it's exactly the same with a swing thought. A swing thought works well, let's say the, the guy had a certain swing thought. It worked spectacularly well that first day. Oh, baby, I, this is it. I'm putting all my eggs in this basket. And then the next day he goes out. What is he thinking about? What's the only thing he's thinking about? Oh, the swing thought, the swing thought. Well, on the first day, because it came innocently, the swing thought was generated from a quiet level of the mind. 
On the second day, he put all his eggs in that basket and it was generated from a surface level of mind. He only had access to the surface level intelligence of the body. Thank you for that context. I, I think that's gonna be really helpful for a lot of people, but I wanna dig in a little bit more. When you were talking, I was thinking about acceptance, which you talk a lot about in yes. the book, right? And I think yes. a lot of times on this show, when we talk about acceptance, it's about acceptance of the outcome, regardless of what it is. Oh no, that's sports psychology, okay? Right. I'm not interested in what happens in between shots. I, it's very important, obviously. You yeah. better have a good attitude. You better believe in yourself. You better be able to recover from a double. But that's not my area of expertise. Yeah. My, in regards to um, acceptance, okay? You want me to talk a little bit about that, all right? Sure. I mean, I was going to get to actually, I don't think you're saying no outcome. You're saying almost no. replicate that same acceptance that we talk about with outcomes but do it with your own body and thoughts. Well, the thing is, after you hit the shot, baby, you know, the train has left the station. There's nothing you can do, okay? It really doesn't matter. You accept it, you don't accept it. What difference does it make, okay? Right. You, just, you just hit it OB, all right? Yeah. So a more intelligent scenario was to try to hit a better shot before it before you hit it, OB. Okay, so I'll talk yeah. about acceptance, all right? Yeah. And it's one of uh, my fluid cues, what I call fluid cues. These set up by design, what normally uh, someone experiences by chance. So, someone's behind the ball. They're setting up their shot. And when anyone sets up a shot, they visualize where they want the ball to go. Obviously, it's a no-brainer. They don't visualize the ball going right or left or long or short. They visualize the ball going exactly where they want it to go. But, and it's a big but, often, too often, they have a very, very low level of acceptance. This ball has to go exactly where I want it to go. Now, everyone knows this, where they, they just put so much pressure on themselves to execute. They have a very low level of acceptance. Now, remember, the prefrontal cortex is the killer in a golf swing. And the prefrontal cortex, for everybody, is called the CEO. Now, what does a CEO in a company want to do? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? He wants to get involved everywhere. So you give the smallest invitation for the prefrontal cortex to, to go online during a swing. It's there, baby. I'm there. I'm here to help you out. Yeah, let, you let me in. I'm here. So when you do have a low level of acceptance, there's two unfortunate circumstances that can happen. One is during the swing, especially in the transition, because that's when you're changing directions to hit the ball. So that's a crucial uh, you know, part of the swing. Because you had a low level of acceptance, the prefrontal cortex goes online and it sees where you are during the swing versus how you wanted to execute the shot. It compares where you are to what you wanted to do. And in that comparison, the cerebellum shuts down or is compromised, severely compromised. The second unfortunate circumstance is you're behind the ball setting up a shot. Now, as soon as you create your shot, what I call creating the algorithm, which is all the parts of a shot in one formula, as soon as you create your algorithm, immediately you input uh, the set of processes necessary to execute the shot. You have programmed the computer. And you program the computer differently with a flop shot versus, you know, a full-blown-out drive, right? Now, when you have this low level of acceptance, it has to go this way. I have to execute. Then what happens, second circumstances, what happens is during the swing, especially in the transition, the prefrontal cortex, which is delighted to get involved, you invited it, right? The prefrontal cortex takes a subset of that algorithm. Don't hit it left, don't hit it right, don't hit it long, don't hit it short. Inputs another set of processes in a millisecond. That set of processes compete with the original set of processes. And in that competition, the cerebellum is compromised. Now, if you do something that is completely counterintuitive, then on the surface level, makes no sense at all. But neurophysiologically, it's absolutely sound. 
absolutely 100% neurophysiologically sound is if before you take one step into the shot, you don't take one step into the shot, you have a 10 level of acceptance, meaning ball goes right, ball goes left, ball goes far. It's, I don't, I'm accepting it. And it can't be phony baloney. It can't be, oh, uh, I want to hit a good shot. Uh, I'll accept it, but I want to hit a good shot. Well, who are you kidding? Okay. You can't be 20% pregnant. All right. Either it's a, it's a 10 level of acceptance or it's a phony baloney level of acceptance. Now, when you have this, this 10 level of acceptance, the prefrontal cortex is sort of, hey, what am I going to do? It, what, you, what happens is that because you accepted the results of the shot, I accept it. The prefrontal cortex has nothing to chew into during the motion, so it stays offline. Bingo. Much better chance of executing a shot. That's interesting, Stephen, and it's good, it's good context to kind of understand a little bit of the science behind the mind and how it affects the swing, especially in the moment. But Stephen, you're, you're well known for working with lots of people on tour, professional tours all over the world. Scott McCarron, notably, we actually had Scott on the show last year. Super fun to talk with him. I mean, here's a, here's a guy who had a really nice PGA Tour career, three-time winner. But we get to the senior tour, and he's won 11 times already. Charles Schwab Cup champ. So well, you're not a sports psychologist, right? So it's not about believing you're better in your realm, right? We, he may have worked for somebody else there. Like I, he walked out, I believe that I'm better than these guys. And I'm just maybe that exuded confidence. But what was the key? If you, you know, you can share for listeners for Scott. Was, he's a dominant player now. <laughs> it's a very simple key. Okay. Uh, he was able to answer a question that literally no one on the PGA tour could answer or the champions tour. Yeah. How is fluid motion produced and why does it break down? The key thing that triggered him is a word that also describes wholeness, okay? Because he told me. Yeah. Abstraction. The mind needs to be abstract. Now, let me just talk about muscle memory or motion memory for a second, and then I'll be able to answer this question more thoroughly, okay? Mm-hmm. So... Everybody knows there's something called motion memory or muscle memory, because if there wasn't, you'd have to learn how to walk every day or throw a ball or ride a bike. Now, muscle memory is like saving money in a savings account. Let's say you want to save $10,000. So you go to the bank, you put in your funds, put $100, $200. Finally, you have your $10,000. You go to the bank Tuesday, your, Monday is, your money is there. You go to the bank two years from now, your money is there. You go to the bank five years from now, your money hasn't gone anywhere. The same thing is is applicable to muscle memory. Once someone has grooved emotion, and Scott McCarron probably grooved his motion when he was 16 years old. That, even though it's completely counterintuitive and it's a little bit of a shock to hear, (laughs) that motion cannot break down neurophysiologically. What breaks down is the ability to access it. But accessing what you already own is a slipperier slope in all the sports. It defines careers. Now, Scott McCarron, when he turned 50, did not wake up and all of a sudden he had more money in the bank than he did when he was 49 or 35. He had the exact same amount of money, or if you want to, talent in the bank. So what happened on the Champions Tour? He got the keys to access it. Essentially, he got out of swing prison. Most of them are all in swing prison because they think if if I can only do this, if I can only work on this, if I can only do this, well, guess what? Uh, The money's in the bank. Instead of trying to perfect something that's already good enough to win, why don't you work on accessing what you already own? And that's exactly what he did. The mind is abstract. The mind is abstract. Now, I'll tell you another story. I had the opportunity to work with a very talented player who won a major championship, and I won't name his name. And after he won his major, which made him famous overnight, he started working on his swing continuously. He never won again 
on any tour in the world. Instead of working on access, Swing is good enough, he just won a major. Instead of working on accessing what he already owned, he said, no, I need more money in the bank. Oh, no, you don't. You just won a major. Come on, get real. So the mind loves abstraction. It loves abstraction because then you're generating the intentions from a softer, quieter level of the mind. It's weakened when, you're con when the mind is concrete. When the mind is concrete, meaning I have to get the club here. I have to keep working on here. I have to move, uh, uh, have better tempo, better balance, better positions, whatever. It's, it's that trick about how you get better or how you don't, right? It's a hundred percent. You have to yeah. understand this is tragic for the large percentage of PGA, uh, LPGA, all professionals. It's tragic. Oh yeah. Because what they're doing is they're, they're, first of all, they're thinking they have to reinvent the wheel on every swing when they're playing, which is not so, absolutely not so. The money is in the bank all the time. So they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They don't have to live in checklist city. All they have to do is learn how to access what they already own. So how do you do that? Well, the mind has to experience a threshold level of wholeness, a threshold level of abstraction, a threshold level of silence. But if you violate the laws of the rules of the bank, and the mind has the rules, if you violate these rules, this poor chap violate him, his career is done. Okay, he's broadcasting now. So what happens is that they, they couldn't answer that question. How is fluid motion produced and why does it break down? It's a career ending um, lack of ability to, to answer that question. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> well, well I, Stephen, I think that's interesting because I, I think for some of our listeners out there and in my experience, you know, I played in college, I played division one. I've been lucky to play at a decently high level, but nothing after that. But for me, if I could play good golf, and when I played good golf, it was always being aware of my tension meter, right? So tension in my tension in my body, right? And tension comes from doubt, right? Or I don't like the way that this dog leg right looks or this dog leg left looks. Tension builds up, my mind gets succumbed, I make a tentative swing, I shoot exactly. higher strokes. Right. So uh, how do you how do you talk about that angle? Because I mean, if you you talk about fluidity, right? The opposite of tension, right? But I, it's so difficult because why can I control my tension so well <laughs> last week and shot even? Then I go out and shoot 78 because I'm scared of the trouble on the golf course. It would, and my driver isn't as consistent, for example. You had no systematic way to access deeper levels of the mind. You, had, you, were, you, were, you, were, you were playing blackjack at the Bellagio, okay? You never knew what card you were going to get. You never sure. knew how you were going to feel. You never knew when you woke up, okay, uh, you're going to the golf course. Oh, what's going to happen here? Am I going to have the, a low level of tension? Am I going to have a lot, high level of tension? It's, you, you know, essentially, I mean, I don't want to be cruel, but you were just hoping and praying something good showed up that day. That's not the way to play yeah, golf. Or, hope, or hoping and praying that I don't make the really bad swing. Right. Right. It's, okay. I just, because, uh, right. Don't, don't hit it. Don't hit it left. Right. Right. Be, right. Be, because, because you knew that you didn't really know how to correct that. And you would go into crisis management and dig yourself a black hole and, and always go to the swing. And once you be, and you're, you're a prisoner of the swing, everything's on the surface. You're gambling, you're gambling. Okay. So how do you get rid of the doubt? You get rid of the doubt by playing more consistent golf because you absolutely 100% know what you have to do on the course. Now, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you this story because I like stories, okay? <laughs> so do we. <laughs> so before I work with someone, it doesn't matter who it is, okay? Whether it's a high school kid, college kid, or PGA player. I ask them this question. I say, um, uh, Matt, let's say you just had your best ball striking day you've had in six months and you walk off the course and someone comes up to you and asks you, Matt, why did you play so well today? Mm -hmm. Could you fundamentally answer that question? And if you start talking about the swing, we just say, well, what happened uh, last week when you shot 81? So if I ask enough questions, you'll say, no, I really don't know. 
right? Am I right or wrong? I, I might give you three or four answers in five seconds, right? Like I, I can't be as definitive as I think what you're getting. I might say, you know, I just felt free out there. I was trusting it. You know. No, it's fine. Right. And, and I'll say, and yeah. I'll say to you, how come you didn't have that experience uh, last week? And I might say, well, I don't like how, the course didn't set up for me as well. Okay. Right? Have you played on a course that didn't set up that well? Well, you did play well. Sure. Right. Okay. Why? <laughs> why is it? Right. <laughs> so essentially, yeah. if you ask enough questions, totally. I'll, I'll get a no. Right. Are we in agreement with that? Evan, are we in agreement with that? Yeah. All right. So the next day you go out, you do exactly what you thought that you did the day before because it works so great. And you have a miserable ball striking day. So you walk off the course, someone comes and asks you, hey, Matt, why did you play so poorly today? And you can, you know, the answer would be, I thought I was doing exactly what I did the day before, but I had the opposite results, right? So virtually everyone, if you ask them enough questions, regardless of how famous they are, will say this, okay? So let's look at this picture, right? See if there's anything wrong with this picture. You're a professional golfer. You're not too sure what happens when you play well. You're not too sure what happens when you don't play well. Is there something wrong with this picture? Could there be anything more wrong with this picture, right? right. You're every week, every, it's a different fix. It's a different, what am I going to do this week? Sometimes during the round, what am I going to do? So you ha one has to be able to answer this question in order to have a thorough understanding of what it takes to play consistent golf, regardless of your playing ability. The question is very simple. I mentioned it before. How is fluid motion produced and why does it break down? If you, well, it's produced when, when you access the fluid motion factor. Okay? It's, not my, it's not my program in a way. It's, it's everybody's program. And you uh, don't play well when you don't access the fluid motion factor. So you play well when there's a threshold level of wholeness during the swing. You do not play well when there is not a threshold level of wholeness. It doesn't matter who it is, okay? So everyone who has gone through the program has, has, has answered these two questions the same. No, I don't know. No, I don't know. Everyone who has gone through the program without fail when they're finished with the two-day program and you ask them, do you know why you play well? 100% yes. Do you know why you don't play well? 100% yes. There's no more guessing. There's no more searching in the darkness. Last thing I'll say before, Ev, I know you want to jump in with a few here, is, and I don't want to press on this too hard, but it's, if I don't, if I don't like the way the course sets up, a lot of the troubles left, for example, you know, I hate hitting it left. I've got to work extra harder to keep my mind and body in sync on each shot as opposed to a different course where, sure. you know, whether it's wider open or, you know, I just like the way the holes look it's because sure. then I can be more fearless. That's right. Off the tee. Right. So, right. And I think that's kind of what we're getting. Correct. At. Yes. It's, you, you don't have to get back into getting in the zone, but it's, it's being better at those moments. And there's more of them like, you know, on that course, you know, as I talk about playing at Cog oh. Hill, you know, where there's trouble everywhere in deep bunkers, as opposed to playing at, you know, your local public course. I mean, no, I'm absolutely. Chicago guy, so that's why I'm saying. Right. Cog Hill. <laughs> what, what, what you have to do is you, um, wholeness is going to be a little bit more difficult to achieve before you pull the trigger because the the course itself how it looks visually how it, right. it feels visually is going to be pulsating more so it's going to be a little bit more challenging to make your smoothie but you will know that you have to do it right and your ability to do it essentially will determine how far you go in the in the game or how well you play that day yeah, being aware. No, that's great. Yeah. Thanks for the, that's good back. And so, forth. <laughs> so Stephen, if I'm putting myself into my listeners, our listeners shoes, right? Yeah. Assuming they haven't read your book, they're coming in cold right. right now. Right. I'm thinking as a listener, I've heard abstract mind mm -hmm. is better. Mm -hmm. And so that helps me go to a deeper level of the mind versus surface level mm -hmm. and achieving wholeness, Right. right. I sense that they are now thinking, how? Mm -hmm. 
how do I, what is an abstract mind? We know surface level mind, don't hit it here, mm-hmm. don't hit it there, this swing thought, that swing thought. Right. How do I achieve an abstract mind? And how, how do I know that I've achieved wholeness? Okay, so um, that's what my program is all about. That's what yeah. my book, Simplicity, gives out the whole program, which I was very yeah. reluctant to do for many, many years, because why would I give something out for $25 that I charge thousands and thousands of dollars uh, for. But then I felt an obligation to all those, literally all those suffering golfers out there. And I, I said, get them out of swing prison, Steve. We appreciate that. Okay. Steve. You know, before you pass away, honestly, that's the honest truth. So I'm going to give you a flu, uh, your audience a flu, a few fluid cues. Okay. Yeah. That will allow them to experience more abstract mind. Now, before I do that, when someone goes to the range, who's a pretty good player, you know, can, can, uh, has a consistent swing, and they drop, you know, uh, five or six balls, or the first five or six or seven balls they hit, their mind is abstract. You know that feeling. Mm. It's just, boom. Yeah, just a, just We're just yeah. warming up. Well, guess yeah. what? That's how you want to be on the 14th fairway, all right? So everyone has had it, that experience. Another uh, way that everyone has that experience is in the second ball syndrome, You're playing a practice round. Yeah, we call it You're guy the, number two. Guy number two, you can call it. You're yeah. in the middle of the fairway. You've got the perfect lie, perfect club, no win. You're licking your chops. You take out your, your eight iron. You miss the green completely. You drop a ball in disgust and you stick it three feet. The mind was concrete on the first shot and abstract on the second shot. Everyone can relate to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. Okay. Yep. So let's give your listeners um, some practical things to do. And all of these things are in the book. Now my book is divided into four sets of fluid cues. These fluid cues set up by design what you normally experience by chance when you play your best. In other words, they set up uh, accessing the fluid motion factor. Each, each set of fluid cues gets more powerful. So the second is more powerful than the first, the third more than the second, and the fourth more than the third. Okay, so let's give you one from the second set. It's still powerful. So what I ask um, my students to do when we're on the range and we get to this fluid cue, I say, okay, now I want you to simulate on the range that this is a really important shot in a big tournament and you have to execute or an important round and you have to execute. I want you to go through your whole pre-shot routine. I want you to get over the ball. I want you to let me know when you're about to pull the trigger, but don't pull the trigger. So they go through their whole pre-shot routine, they get over the ball, they do their little dance, and they let me know right before they're about to pull the trigger, they say, now. Well, I take the club out of their hand and I tell them to stand up. And I tell them, just, just chill, just relax for a second. And then I ask them, now, if this was an important shot in an important tournament, and hypothetically, obviously, very hypothetically, right before you're about to pull the trigger, someone took the club out of your hand, would you feel a contrast between how you felt when you stood up and the club was not in your hand versus how you felt when the club was in your hand and you were about to pull the trigger? Virtually everyone, even tour players, would say yes. So then I say to them, okay, what we're going to do now is setting one. Setting one means that right before you pull the trigger, if you drop the club and stood up or you just drop the club, you would feel more or less the same as how you felt right before you were about to pull the trigger. More or less the same. Of course, you're going to feel lighter if the club's not in your hand. But if there's a big contrast, the fluid motion factor is shut down. So, so then I asked them, I said, okay, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to go through your whole pre-shot routine, get over the ball right before you pull the trigger, ask yourself the question, if someone took the club out of my hand, would I feel more or less the same? And you want to be in a range. It's not like you're trying to dial into a radio station, 94.5. You could be 94.9. You could be 94.1. As long as you're in that range. And, and you'll know instantly, once you give yourself the green light, yeah, I feel more or less the same. Then you pull the trigger. Now, if you've set one, if you've set one, you will always have achieved 
a threshold level of wholeness and abstraction before you pull the trigger so it doubles and triples your chance of having that experience during the swing. Steven, this hits on something I actually tried on my own without knowing it years ago where I noticed that when I played on Friday mornings before work with three of my buddies, we'd play a little executive course, right? Almost every time, I didn't even have a scorecard. I would, I would shoot one or two over, right? Then I was in a men's league every month where, you know, you could win a decent amount of money. You want to get the like wrestler belt, you know, you want to get your name on it. Right, right. And Ever. I never played well. And I said, I made a point to myself. I said, you know what? I'm playing today in this tournament like it's Westchester, which is this executive course in LA. Right. And I won. <laughs> right. And I think, I think I was replicating the wholeness that you're describing because I didn't care. I, I, I said to myself, well, let's take a step back. When I'm trying to win, I lose. So this round, I'm going to literally treat it like I'm with my buddies and I have no care in the world. And I shot a 76 and I won. And I think that's what you're describing. 100%. Okay. It's 100%. Now, another tragic mistake that average golfers make, even on the tour, is they equate attention with execution. They equate attention with execution, meaning if this is an important shot or this is an important round, the more focus I have, the more determination I have, the more concentration I have, the better chance I have of executing. This is so fallacious. For sure. This is, this is a career destroyer. It's a right. career destroyer. How many times does a guy on the tour shoot himself out of, the, out of the tournament on the third round, and then the fourth round he goes low, okay? How many times? It's ridiculous how many times, right? Yeah. So the only thing that equates to execution is did the prefrontal cortex capture the signal or did it not? Was there a threshold level of wholeness and abstraction or was there not? The quickest way to not have a threshold level of wholeness or abstraction, more focus, more concentration, more determination. Bingo. Yeah, that hits on what you say in the book of intention is more important than execution. That's right. Right, right, right. right. It's, it's the concentration. We talk, everybody talks about deep focus, right? You're, it's that deep focus on the moment, which, and if you do that, if you have that right deep focus in the present, there's less focus on the results, right? You, you, you know what, I, I, um, Matt, I wouldn't describe it as deep focus, okay? I would describe it as natural focus. It, because if it's deep focus, it means you're trying to go deep and you can't go deep. You know, it reminds me of Tiger's quote, there have been key shots in major tournaments where I took the club out of the bag and I didn't remember anything until I saw the ball land on the green. Yeah. Now this is, this is Sunday in the back nine at Augusta. This sure. is not on West, Westchester Muni, all right? Millions of people watching and uh, history is being made. So. He went, he, he, that's pure abstraction. That's pure wholeness, pure abstraction. Right. The prefrontal cortex was completely offline because when the pre, prefrontal cortex is online, you're going to remember every single detail. And what Tiger is saying, I don't remember anything. It reminds me of what Bubba said after he won the Masters one year. They asked him, Bubba, what was your... What was your game plan on, on the last nine holes? He said, I don't remember anything about the last nine holes. Now, how can you understand that? How can you understand that comment in the context of right. you need to focus more, you need to have more concentration, you need to be more determined? It's, 100, it's not 90 degrees, it's 180 degrees because it's how the brain physiology needs to operate in order to produce fluid motion. It, oh. it, it's, the, it's the balance we're all kind of looking it's always searching for you have to be somewhat focused but you have to be relaxed right and it's like those are it's hard to sometimes i think for average or beginner golfers who want to get better to blend that right like i have to have a plan but yeah. i can't i can't obsess about what i can't control well, right? I, I have right. to have fun right no 
your first plan is, is you, you have to access the fluid motion factor. Everything else is superfluous because if you don't do that, it really doesn't matter. You're not going to get any better now. For sure. Yeah. Because especially for beginners, especially for beginners, because they better, that, that intelligence better be flowing from the mind to the body, even more so than someone who is an accomplished golfer, because they just want to make contact with the ball. Now, uh, I, I, everyone who goes through my program, I ask them a, a question. I'm going to ask you two guys a question, okay? I like it. You have one word to describe how it felt when you played your best. One Go word. Ahead, Easy. Matt. Freedom. Hello? Anybody home here? Okay. <laughs> no one says focus. No one says, con no one says anything about... Here are the top three answers, easy, simple, and effortless. I've asked hundreds of golfers from all levels this. So if that's the case, which it is, then why aren't golfers practicing having that space as their default space when they practice? Because how they practice, this is a whole other area if you guys want to get into this, how they practice is actually going as far away from that space as possible. I mean, let's dive, let's dig into that well, a little bit more. Report card mentality. How to? How, first of all, they all feel they have to reinvent the swing. On uh, even the pros, come on. Listen, I went to a, uh, I guess what is it now? Corn Ferry, but it was uh, Nation. Corn Ferry. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. An event. I don't know. Three years ago, in Illinois. Or Indiana. I get the two confused. <laughs> It's like I live in Iowa and people say, oh, you're from Idaho. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I, whatever, all right? It's, it doesn't matter. And we got three Midwest guys here, so it's all We good. know, right? I, I'm, I'm speaking to you guys from Iowa, okay? So um, I go to the Corn Ferry, right? I go to the range. I don't know. There's 30 guys on the range, 40 guys. Every single one of them have a track man. Every single shot. Every single shot. They're turned around and look at the numbers. Right. Hello, Swing Prison. How is it? Right. <laughs> let, me know, let me know how you do. Do you like selling computers at Best Buy? Okay. So, so how do golfers practice? They practice with a report card mentality. Total mm -hmm. report card, including you guys. Okay. Total. Mm -hmm. Am I right or wrong? Total report card mentality. I hit the target. That's an A. I missed it. That's a C. I got it close. It's a B plus. Oh, that was a good swing. Yeah, that's an A. So when you use concrete mentality or, or criteria, when you use concrete criteria where you're giving yourself a grade on every shot, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're culturing the mind to be concrete as your default state. The mind is weakened when it's concrete. It's strengthened when it's abstract. So you've got a big tournament. You just hit 1,000 balls this week culturing the mind to be concrete, patting yourself on the back. Oh, yeah, that's an A. Oh, I'm good. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then you tee it up on the first tee. Well, if the mind isn't abstract, good luck. So it's just by chance that you find any level of abstraction out there because you certainly did not have a systematic plan. You just spent the, your whole, forget the week. How about the last 40 years? Giving yourself a report card mentality. So what you're doing is you're, you're culturing the wrong default state. When you practice, you want to culture the state of abstraction, of wholeness. So that becomes your default state. Mm -hmm. So that when you do tee it up on the first tee, you have less barriers to entry. At least you're increasing your chances of, of having a threshold level of abstraction and in wholeness and wholeness before you pull the trigger. Stephen, you just made me think of a excuse me, a pattern, something I've seen top performers say consistently. Tom Brady said it, Tiger said it. They say, I'm putting myself in the best position to succeed. I'm giving myself the best chance to succeed, right? And I think that is a really interesting place. To, I think it builds on what you're saying because these are the best in the world right? It'd be easy for them to say, well, that wasn't five feet. That wasn't an A plus, right? But Tiger knows, and we talked about this on our mental game around the greens last week, which is a lot of times 
you just got to give yourself a chance. You have to give yourself the best chance. And that you could do that with your fluid motion factor program, as well as I think that's probably the, the simplest way to think about how to potentially get in the zone is you're just giving your, you know what works and you're giving yourself the best chance to get there and everything else doesn't matter. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful point, Evan. And the great ones are great because they give themselves better chances, but for sure. And they talk about silence. They talk about abstraction. They talk about not really remembering everything. Now I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the most important story in my program. Okay. Okay. Because you guys have brought it out of me. <laughs> uh, you're having a dinner party. It's, it's the, it's the uh, infamous di dinner party story. You're having a dinner party. Only 25 people can come to your dinner party. The 25 people are coming from a combination of two groups of 25. One group of 25 are your best friends. So of course you want them to come to your dinner party. The other group of 25, you wouldn't want to spend 10 minutes. Why would you invite them to your dinner party? You wouldn't. Why would you want them to come? You wouldn't. The only thing you have control over your dinner party is how to set the table. You know where the knife goes, the fork goes, the plate. After you set the table, you have to stay on the couch and see who comes, the combination from these two groups. But if after you set the table, you go to the door, because after all, there's 25 people you don't want to come to see who's coming, then 75% of the time, the wrong combination of people show up. But if after you set the table, you stay on the couch, and see who knocks on your door from these group, these two groups of 25, then 75% of the time, the right combination shows up. Now, how does this relate to hitting a golf ball? And how does this relate to what you just said, Evan? Okay. It relates that you don't really know what's going to happen. Because if you knew what was going to happen, you wouldn't, you wouldn't bet your, you, you wouldn't put your, your son's life on the line that you know what's going to happen. If, right. if, if you knew what was going to happen, it would always happen. So what the great ones do in every sport, and there's a, there's a wonderful book by Michael Murphy, who wrote Golf in the Kingdom, about yep. the, the transcendent experience in sports, about athletes who have these transcendental experiences, is what they're able to do is exactly what you said they were able to do, Evan. They're able to set up very subtle conditions, which are uh, more or less the opposite of what uh, the general public, you know, sees. I mean, the, the general public sees Tiger, you know, in his prime on the 12th tee with a swirling wind on Sunday, taking out a nine iron or whatever. He looks so focused. He looks so determined in, concentra in concentration inside. What's his inner experience? Oh, I don't remember. So... What the great ones are able to do, whether it was a Gretzky or a Brady or Joe Namath or Federer, you know, any great, is they, they're able to set up these conditions. And you cannot be cocky in setting up these conditions. You cannot be a bull in a china shop setting up these conditions. Because if you get off that couch and you go to that door, which 95% of the people do, then you're just asking not to have a threshold level of wholeness. Now, I'll tell you another story. Because after all, I already mentioned that I like stories. <laughs> so uh, I've been working with Gabby Lopez for many years now, okay? Gabby has won twice on tour. She was runner-up rookie of the year the first year. About three years ago, she had her low round in a tournament, 64, in the Australian Open. And um, I called her and I said, Gabby, this is fantastic. You know, congratulations. Why did you have it? What did you feel? Because I always want to know what they're experiencing, all right? Because then I learn as well. She said, you know, Stephen, and then she told me a word I never heard before from, a, from any athlete, regardless of level. She said, you know, Stephen, I just felt innocent out there. Yeah. Well, th that stopped me in my tracks, okay? Because you do sure. not, you do not associate 64s with innocent, okay? And I said, really? Uh, that is so interesting. And then we talked about that and how innocence essentially allows you to have a threshold level of wholeness or abstraction. 
because you don't really know who's coming to your dinner party. Now, fast forward to her second win in China two years ago. It was the last tournament of the year. So she wins. And I call her up and I say, Gabby, I want to hear all about it. So she tells me the story. She said, you know, Stephen, I didn't even think I was going to play in this tournament. Uh, for whatever, I can't remember the reasons, but traveling or this and that. And at the last minute, I decided to play in it. And I got in. So I didn't prepare the way I normally prepare tournament week for a tournament. So I didn't really think I would play very well. Well, guess what, Gabby Lopez? You have just won, uh, how much? $180,000 and your <laughs> second LPGA tournament. Yep. That's staying, it's what I call staying on the couch. You don't right. know who's coming to your, you don't know who's coming to your dinner party. Right. Because as soon, as soon as you think you know who's coming to your dinner party, adios, senorita, okay? You're, you're, you're playing blackjack. All right. Well, Stephen, when, in a sense, you know, we've got, we've got a few, one or two more questions for you, and then we'll get you yeah. out of here. But in a sense, makes me think of playing like a child, playing golf like a kid. And why could I go shoot 68 or 69 at 13 years old? Right. You know, and, and, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, focus, but you know, you kind of like pull us back from what focus is and what it isn't, but for me, and maybe, you know, you can just jump in here. Having a go like next round I play, can I just treat every shot the same? Right. And and that's like a kid, right? Like, right. No, Matt, you know, when when I, uh, the first video um, that I did, and I've done a few videos, uh, DVDs in the first book I wrote, I wanted to name the, the name it play like a kid again. Okay. That was going to be the name of it because everybody yeah. knows that, that feeling of freedom when you're 11 or 12. And then what it's happens, the <laughs> it's the best. And then what happens is that the, 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 the prefrontal cortex gets more developed. You get sucked in to the track man and to analyzing everything. You lose your innocence. That's you, it. You gain, ex- you gain experience and that sometimes fun, hurts, the, right? The, the, the fun is over, okay? <laughs> you know, I, I did a post on, on, um, on Facebook. I took it down because, I, you know, people just, they just don't understand, right? The post was very <laughs> simple, okay? Uh, Trackman can either give you very valuable information or it could suck the joy out of your game, okay? Yeah. Okay, and people, oh, this is a, this is the this is the dumbest post I've ever seen. You know, all the technical guys, okay, all the guys that I don't want to name any names, okay. I think we know who they are. All the technical guys who said, no, you got to have alpha torque and this and this, blah 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 blah. No conception that the swing doesn't control the swing, that processes in the mind control the swing. So the whole idea. Matt, is to play like a kid again because you were you had natural wholeness, natural silence, yeah. natural abstraction, and then you you um, you know you got into swing prison. Now, what you want to be, okay, is you want to be Tim Robbins in Shawshank Redemption when he escaped and he looked up into that rain. Okay, you, you know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, he finally gets out. You know, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Right. I am out, baby. I am free. Right. And there's nothing better when, you know, you, when you start replicating that, right? And that's what, that's what makes good golf. But okay, like I'm going to give your audience a few tips here, okay? Oh, love it. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, I already it. gave them. They all, should, they all should start, uh, they should try setting one. I went through it very detailed. Okay, boom, right? Audience, your swing is done. It's done. It's finished. Close the book on your swing. Don't live in some hypothetical, if I can only, if I could only, if I could only. The money is in the bank. And again, this is not for beginning golfers. It's for, for golfers who, you know, they're no, they're good golfers. The money is in the bank. Understand there's two foundations in my program. One is muscle memory does not break down. Hearing this, when I heard this for the first time, there was a nuclear, I didn't know that. I thought you had to reinvent it. There was a nuclear explosion in my brain. What do you, oh, I realized the ramifications. 
Right. This this is going to transform the the golf industry and eventually the sports industry. Muscle memory does not break down. What breaks down is your ability to access it. And that's what my book is all about, simplicity. The second piece of information is you have to, the brain physiology has to experience wholeness. Wholeness. Don't make anything, no matter how important you think it is during your swing, the star of the show. You are just sitting on a branch and you're sawing off the branch that you're sitting on doesn't make any sense at all. I love it. Well, I think there's no better way to finish than the quote that you wrote, which is, do you attack good rounds or do good rounds find you? Right? And good rounds always find you. They always find you. They do. They do. Thank you, Stephen. This was great. For everyone out there, go buy Simplicity, the Fluid Motion Factor Golf Program. I read it. It's great. I'm playing Sunday. I can't wait to to start putting it to work and and using it. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Steven. All right, Steven. Take care. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.